tell me what this is. This is a, uh, it's a power of attorney for health care document, which is an advanced directive. And it's several pages. One. Leah Brigaman is 81 years old and a great-grandmother. She's lived her entire life in La Crosse, Wisconsin. As she's gotten older, she worries about what will happen to her as she nears the end of life. Eight years ago, she and her husband filled out paperwork called an advanced directive with the help of an attorney. We did not want to be put on feeding tubes indefinitely. If there's no chance of recovery, just let us go. The idea is to give patients control over their medical care. It's a movement that's grown over the last three decades. Many don't want to be kept alive indefinitely, and the advanced directive helps with that. It's a legal document that has two parts. One specifies the kind of treatment patients want if they are no longer able to make decisions. For example, to allow CPR after a heart attack or feeding tubes if patients can no longer eat on their own, or IV fluids for hydration, or they can decline any of these interventions. Patients also designate someone they trust who can make medical decisions on their behalf if they can't. As Terry Schiavo began her seventh day detached from her feeding tube, her brother and sister came to the hospice to thank supporters. Terry Schiavo's case brought more public attention to the importance of having an advanced directive. But that interest quickly receded. Today, only a third of all Americans have completed one. Patients are reluctant to think about future planning about their health. For some reason, planning for health care decisions can be scary. Dr. Ruma Kumar is a palliative care specialist and a regional medical director with Kaiser Permanente of Northern California. Physicians are not good about bringing this up and asking their patients to do their planning, and that, again, for a number of reasons, you know, time constraints might be one of them, or a concern that if you bring up planning, you might make the patient nervous or uh, feel like, you know, you're uh, giving up hope in their treatment plan, um, then you may not be as apt to bring it up. But even if an advanced directive is filled out, it can get overlooked, misplaced, or ignored by medical staff, as Katie Butler found out. Hospitals are a world of their own. Butler is a Bay Area journalist who wrote the best-selling memoir, Knocking on Heaven's Door, The Path to a Better Way of Death. It has its own rules. It's like a foreign subculture. And once you enter into that system, it can be very, very difficult to get your wishes put into practice. Butler had her own difficult experiences trying to get her father's advanced directive enforced. She recalls going up against a wall of resistance when she tried to withdraw treatment for her dying father. There are all these systemic barriers that create this tendency to push, 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 treat, 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 until somebody has the guts to really stand up and say no. Butler's 79-year-old father suffered a major stroke in 2002, which caused brain damage and dementia. He had a weak heart, and Butler says he probably would have died of natural causes within two years following the stroke. But his pacemaker kept him alive for the next six years. In her memoir, Butler writes that the extra years of life caused him great misery. My father's sight dimmed so much that he could no longer read the New York Times. His balance became so unsteady that my mother could no longer let him walk on his own. 
He became bowel and bladder incontinent. His brain became so damaged that he could not form a plan to get to the bathroom on time when he needed to. His life went on, thanks perhaps to his pacemaker, and he could do nothing about it but endure. The tipping point had come. Death would have been a blessing, and living was a curse. Butler's father filled out an advance directive, naming her as his designated medical agent. Butler went to his cardiologist and requested that the pacemaker be turned off. And the doctor, the cardiologist, not only refused to cooperate, he really treated us as though we were some kind of moral monster. And so there you are. Technically, according to the law, you have the right to refuse any form of medical treatment, and you have the right to request the withdrawal of any form of medical treatment. But you got an advanced device like a pacemaker, you don't know how to turn it off. You don't know where to go to get someone to help you turn it off if your cardiologist is saying no. One place Katie Butler might have looked to for help was La Crosse, a small city on the Mississippi River in Wisconsin. It's known for its steamboats, Wisconsin cheese, and its excellent end-of-life care. We have to get going here. We all have to go milk. <laughs> <laughs> These longtime lacrosse residents meet every week at their local coffee house. They're retired, and they've all completed their advance directives. Michael Sigmund is one of the regular attendees. He says that planning for the end of life is standard procedure in lacrosse. Before you go actually see the doctor, usually it's the nurse who asks the question. You know, when you first walk in the door or for a quick after, you know, you know, how are you doing? Do you have any pains today? Do you have an advance directive? 96% of all lacrosse residents who died last year had completed advanced directives. That figure far exceeds the number of people who complete advanced directives in the Bay Area and the rest of the country. Dr. Bud Hamas is a medical ethicist at Lacrosse's Gunderson Health System, a hospital ranked in the top 1% nationwide. He led the effort to improve end-of-life care in lacrosse. Ultimately, to be as successful as we have been in lacrosse, it isn't just about training a few people to have these conversations with patients. It's actually about changing the culture of the healthcare system and ultimately of the community. To change the medical culture at Gunderson, Dr. Hamas convinced hospital administrators that end-of-life care needed to be given a higher priority. That was about 30 years ago. Now, end-of-life conversations and advanced directives are part of the hospital's routine practice. An electronic medical record system was created to document patient preferences. That way, the advanced directive is easily accessible and can't get lost. Well, Karen, thank you for coming. This is a very important discussion. Um, Janet Olmsted is an advanced care planning facilitator at Gunderson. She's assisting Karen with her advance directive. Karen didn't want her last name used. She put off this visit for many years, but finally overcame her hesitancy after speaking with a friend. I've got to do this. I don't want somebody else stuck with making decisions that they don't... It's like a burden for them to make decisions that, you know, they don't know what I want. So I just thought, now is the time. Karen says she doesn't want heroic measures or life-prolonging treatments if she's no longer functional. Like Karen, many of Gunderson's patients want medical treatment stopped if there's little or no hope of recovery. 
Honoring patient preferences has resulted in fewer tests and expensive procedures. Dr. Scott Rathgaber is CEO of Gunderson. We're very successful in our outcomes in, in decreasing the cost of folks at the end of life in comparison to lots of other systems. I can't tell you that it's literally millions of dollars that are left on the table, so to speak, because of our commitment to the patients. The Gunderson program was so successful that Dr. Hammes took it citywide. Gunderson partnered with the other three local hospitals. It brought churches, social service agencies, and nursing homes together and trained their staffs to do community education and outreach. It's just the norm for them. That's Dr. Ruma Kumar with Kaiser Permanente of Northern California. There's a video that stands out in my mind of a father and a daughter, and the father was not interested in doing the planning, and the daughter and all the neighbors, everyone got on his case about, why aren't you doing this? This is something you must do. Inspired by La Crosse's success, Kaiser Permanente worked with Gunderson and started its own life care planning program in 2012. Among its goals is to increase the numbers of patients completing advanced directives. Over 600 physicians, nurses, and social workers have now been trained as facilitators. Dr. Kumar says much of what Kaiser did was modeled after the Gunderson program. You know, they've been at it for much longer than the majority of us, so they have a bit of a head start and they've gotten these numbers. Um, but we're hoping to do the same thing over the next eight to 10 years to really get 90, greater than 90% of our patients with some sort of planning done. But replicating the Gunderson model throughout the entire Bay Area is a long way off. So who has an advanced health care directive in place right now? Educational outreach efforts largely depend on volunteer organizations like the East Bay Conversation Project, a community-wide coalition working to help people plan for care at the end of life. Allison Rodman is addressing a group of Berkeley seniors on how to complete their advanced directives. So it's a pretty simple uh, document that's legal and has, uh, but you don't have to go to great expense by using a lawyer or having it notarized. While these volunteer efforts are a good first step, proponents say much more is needed. A well-funded, comprehensive system to educate and inform health care providers and patients on planning for the end of life. And of course, we don't like to think of death or dying, but... Uh, it happens. 81-year-old great-grandmother Leah Brigham knows from personal experience how important an advanced directive is. Several years ago, Leah's husband Jim made the decision to stop medical treatment for his ailing mother. I came home and my husband was, he was just nearly sobbing. He was just distraught. He said, I've killed my mother. I said, Jim, he said, we stopped her medication. I said, that's what she wanted. Unbeknownst to Jim, his mother had filled out an advance directive. After a search, Leah found a copy of it. We got it out. Her wishes are right here. No medication, blah, blah, blah. So I took that home, and I said, honey, just take a look at this. This is what your mother wanted. You're not killing her. Jim stopped agonizing over his mother's death, now that he no longer had to guess at what she wanted. Thanks to her advanced directive, Jim and Leah could avoid the heartache and conflict 
that tore apart the family of Terry Schiavo. For Cross Currents, I'm Joanne Marr.